right, so now you can hear me because that or was recorded yes. live. That's the first time that's done that. We don't talk during the <laughs> intro, but you, we are badly needed and long overdue. A controversial <laughs> podcast about that. Colorado Springs. <laughs> it's controversial because it makes sense. I'm your host, Nick Raven, and giggling over to my l- l- right here, uh, my virtual, my little left, is my co-host, Emily Lewis, and Navigator. How are you doing? <laughs> You were really freaking out there. Like the intro's playing and you're like, I can't hear you. I can't. Nick. It's like, you, cause you can't, you're not supposed to. I'm not on the screen. Yeah, I know. Not, neither was I. No, I, I wasn't there. So I didn't, and I can't hear the intro. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're fine. <laughs> so I can hear it though. That's actually so I can't. It produce a feedback loop. Uh, <laughs> so it doesn't get really weird and echoey sounding at the beginning. Uh-huh. However, we're I, I still have to see this afterward and make sure that uh, it doesn't yes. totally fuck up. But I in part you, you can't hear it, but that's because no. it's not fucked up. That's where we're at. Okay. Anyway, awesome. Awesome. That's okay, a so inside so- baseball here. <laughs> right? How are you? <laughs> uh, I am Good. I'm very excited to uh, meet our guest. Yes. For today's show, um, I did some googling, and our guest and... today is the Reverend Roger Butts. Yes. He's a good friend of mine. He actually um, uh, facilitated my <laughs> wedding. Uh, I've known so I knew him through my wife and uh, progressive preacher. And you did a bunch of research. I did so much research. I said, this is, this is my, my, my passion project, honestly, something yeah. I'm super interested in and can talk about forever. Yeah. And, and thankfully to due to our existence, we don't have to talk about anything forever. Uh, no. but, but for the sake of our listeners, we do not have an infinity length, uh, podcast, but we had a really, really good, uh, discussion, uh, with Roger here. We're talking about religion in yes. Colorado Springs, which turns out it's mm-hmm. kind of a pillar here. Uh, as, as it you is researching as you're highlighting there, just the, like how, pe- I don't want to spoil anything cause we've got a really good chat, but, uh, <laughs> just how it came to be here in Colorado Springs. Yeah, how how religion itself has, and and specifically certain parts of religion, have have shaped the Colorado Springs that we're in today, and overall the country that we're in today. Yeah, absolutely, and like it's even really construed or been construed politically because we are like yes. the last red conservative uh, holdout, and no doubt a huge part of that is because we are. Uh, this conservative, this evangelical uh, Christian. <laughs> yes, we have been inundated. Yes, inundated by the evangelical Christian movements. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, we get to talk to to Roger about that. We talk about where he comes from, what he's been up to. We didn't actually get to talk to it in the conversation. We are, we are, we are, we did have limitations on time, but he was actually part of the big movement to get the death penalty uh, banned here mm-hmm. in Colorado uh, as well. Yes, he so, was. Um, so. Uh, did you have anything to, to uh, contribute? Because then we'll we'll just cut to the to the interview. No, we can. Let's get started. I'm All excited. Right, let's get started. All right, let's bring on our guest. Thank you for coming, Yay. Reverend Roger Butts. 
Thank All you. All right, again. <laughs> yeah, here we go. Uh, Roger, welcome to our little show that we do here. Uh, hi. Well, I am glad to be here, Nick. Thank you so much. And Emily, too? Yeah. I am delighted to Just be hello. here. hello. So we wanted to talk a bit, because this is a very hyper-local podcast. We're talking about Colorado Springs, and I'm wanting you to kind of introduce how you got into town um, and, and your background. So my name is Roger Butts. I'm a Unitarian Universalist minister. I've been ordained for 20 years. And um, I came to Colorado Springs 12 years ago, 13 years ago. And um, I came here for work. I came here to take a church. And, um, and then I became a hospital chaplain. And now I'm back at All Souls Church, um, back in the parish. But um, I came here... I had four. I had four places I I might have gone, and I came here. I thought there was a lot of upside to Colorado Springs and the Front Range, and um, I found some really good friends here, and I'm glad I came here. I don't know how long I'll be here, but um, I came are you here. Are trying for... to abandon our city right as it's getting great, Roger? Is that what you're trying but to it's, do? It's gro- our little village is growing up. That's for sure. It um, definitely is. Yeah. I like Thankfully. the East Coast, you know, Baltimore City and D.C. and Marta and I are from there. And so we like it out there. But I don't know. I, I, there are lots of good things going on right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yes, absolutely. We want to dive into what Colorado Springs has been, especially through the winter. Because you've been 13 years, so that would have been like 2010-ish. Nine. 2009 is when you landed. What was Colorado Springs like when you got here? religiously oh yeah you know when i first got here um there was i don't know if it was when i first got here but there was a mayor named steve bach uh-huh or oh, something mayor yeah he yes. was like a hostile man and um <laughs> when i got here i joined up a lawsuit against the city um, because they were trying to go after some homeless people, and the ACLU brought a, a suit, and I joined it. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, you know, Nick, you find your friends really quick, and um, it's kind of like the South. I've spent time in the South, and you find your friends really quick. This is obviously a military town. It's obviously an evangelical town, but. Um, I moved, Marta and I moved to the west side, and we were like, we got to find our people. And we found a lot of them on the west side. Um, and I will tell you that um, there is a great progressive community here. And um, and they're, they're not ascendant. They're not in power. But um, when you come across them, it is really inspiring and, and beautiful obviously focus on the family and new life and Woodman Valley. Those, those places are enormous and powerful. First Prez is in that same camp. Um, and, and so, so fucking what, right? Who cares? Yeah. Right. Who cares? <laughs> right. Let them, let them go and do their thing. You know, I'm going to hang out with, uh, uh, Steve Handen of Blessed Memory who ran Mesa house. I'm going to hang out with, um, Christy Milligan and, Jesse Pocock, Christy at Westside Cares, and Jesse at Inside Out. I'm going to hang out with Marta Fioriti, who runs a, a little church up in the Black Forest that is radical as it can be. 
Um, yep. So, you know. You just, you find, you, like you said, you quickly find your friends. Emily, did you want to, like, just lay down some groundwork for how Colorado Springs really just become, became this evangelical haven um, that it became? <laughs> well, when I got here the first time in 79, Oh. Um, you know, of course I was very small. Um, but I remember coming up in school and I was just talking about the fact that uh in my middle school, I want to say eighth, eighth or ninth grade, which was, you know, still back in the eighties, uh when my during my my biology year, um when it got to teaching the teaching of evolution. Huh. And I watched as half of my class literally got up and walked out. <laughs> and I'm sitting there as a teenager going, what? Um, wait a minute. First, I didn't know we were allowed to do that. <laughs> and I would second, have done that during calculus or something, right? Yes. <laughs> second, how is this a thing that's even happening? So through my research today, come to find out. Hmm. <laughs> I went down a scary, scary rabbit hole. Well, what's the start of that uh, rabbit hole? Um, the start of that rabbit hole actually goes, let me double check here. Um, I went back all the way to 1989 when we had our illustrious mayor, um, Robert Isaac who, yeah, was And fantastic. I highlighted that in um, the, uh, the document there because the current city administration building is the Robert M. Isaac building. Uh, yes. Which, okay, sure. Yeah. Anyway, continue. Um, and basically what happened to Colorado Springs in the mid to late 80s is we had an, uh, we had an economic regression. And the city of Colorado Springs was freaking out a little bit because they were talking about closing military bases, which, you know, is a huge part of our economy. Right. 60%. And uh, so, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So Mayor Isaac sent out a team of people to see what we could bring in to replace, if necessary, the, the money coming in from the military. And what they found and what they brought was evangelical Christianity. So they're going Groups out like on these big entities yes. like focus on the family yep. and, and stuff like that. Like, hey, we can be your new headquarters. Mm-hmm. In fact, um, the El Pomar Foundation is directly responsible for focus on the family coming into the Springs in 91. They gave them a 4.2 or 2.4. Um, multi-million dollar grant to come into Colorado Springs. Uh-huh. Gross. That's and, gross. <laughs> yeah, so that's um, and as of 94 there were 44 other entities in Colorado Springs like Focus on the Family that essentially gave Colorado Springs, just Colorado Springs, the same monetary um, foundation as other big lobbyists in Washington. This be kind of became so, the polar opposite 
It became yes. a conservative Washington, D.C., but for religious lobbyists versus uh-huh. Washington, D.C., which is more of a liberal outpost or, I mean, maybe you could cut it down yeah. the middle with the Beltway. Uh, you're you're from uh, the area, the East Coast, that Maryland super conglomerate there. Is that something that you're familiar <laughs> with, Roger? Well, yeah, I mean, I used to work on the Hill. So, you know, I used to work for a Democratic senator um, from North Carolina. And so I've only worked in politics and religion. So, so. Great topics to start any dinner with. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I'm trying to get um, I'm trying to get like a sex education certificate so I can I can be buried with the idea that I only worked in politics, religion and sex. You know, that's my <laughs> that is fantastic. I think so. But um, hey, look, I, I, I uh, my first job out of school was in politics. Um, but even then I was, I was hanging out with, um, with communities that were trying to figure out how to bring a little social justice into the world. So the Catholic mm-hmm. worker house and, um, DC is huge, yes. um, very influential, um, among progressives, um, this, this group called church of the savior, which is a, um, a group that came around in like the forties and they moved up to DC and they just do almost nothing except ministries with the marginalized. Um, so I was oh, hanging fantastic. out with lots of, di- yeah, I was hanging out with a lot of different types and I wasn't really cut out for politics. I can write well and I can do a few things, but um, you know, it's a pretty competitive sport. It's kind of like, yes, rugby, it is. and I just didn't have that rugby <laughs> kind of attitude. So um, I didn't really survive in politics and I wanted to get over to um, seminary to try to figure out, what makes a faith community, whether it's right or left or middle or whatever, what enables a, a, a faith community to move in the direction as a community um, towards human dignity, human rights, and so on? And that was my big question. It remains my big question. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, the fact that El Pamar, the fact that all these people panicked, and we're like, yes, you can come over here. And you add that to the military bases, you add that evangelical voice. And there's a real um, temptation, I'd say, here to um, side with Christian nationalism. Um, oh, 100%. Which is really scary. And um, I'll be speaking on that on the some, like the 14th of August at All Souls <laughs> Church um, and, with Jeff Schools. Now, I want to say a word who teaches at UCCS and is a good friend. Um, I want to say a word that is a little different than the tenor that we've we've gone with so far. And that is like, I brought Frank Schaefer in. He was a really big part of the religious right back when they were becoming anti-gay and Mm anti-abortion and all that. And um, I brought him in. He's a progressive now. He's writing really interesting books. And Jeff and I brought him in, a number of other people. Um, And I've also brought in, like, filmmakers. And one of the films was on Howard Thurman, and another was on Reinhold Niebuhr, African-American progressive writer, and Reinhold Niebuhr sort of a realist writer. But um, I will say this. First Congregational, All Souls Unitarian, um, First Methodist, they were all, like, sponsors. But 
new life downtown was too. So I want to be I want to be sure to to nuance <coughs> the conversation a bit and say there are times when the Air Force Academy, New Life Downtown, um, some other places will really step into trying to build coalitions with mm-hmm. differently minded people. With marginalized, different. Mm-hmm. With different voices, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And We're so, all kind of in this together. This is not a, a, a community that's owned by any particular group. It's actually a community. <laughs> it's, it's actually a, an ocean, a nation of we. Right? Yeah. Well, unfortunately, the problem the problem comes into when that is not remembered by all. Yeah, right. when it becomes territorial. You know, that's, and that Roger. I want to ask. Yeah. What What was it in uh, in your upbringing? Were you religious? Yeah. Were you religious growing up? And what is it that? Because I I grew up in a very conservative. Uh, household and we were taught to be charitable and to accept other people but in the 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 conventions of that uh, and when someone says they grew up non-denominational it means baptist so i grew up baptist and so but there there's the exclusiveness of that and so what is it about you that made you think differently about the whole thing yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I would say probably a little bit of God's grace. I don't I don't quite know. But um, I would say that I had parents who were religious, but they weren't overly like hate those people and hate those people. They weren't like mm-hmm. that wasn't their jam. Um, I did have a church that was a little bit like that. Uh-huh. Um, and I've written a lot about it over the years. I've written a lot about this um, because I had to really deconstruct and reconstruct my faith. Um, and, you know, it was important to me, like my uncle, my uncles, a couple of them were Southern Baptist ministers, but like one of my uncles, one of my uncles has been on Oprah, you know, oh. one of my uncles has been like with all kinds of different folks and he's a good man. Um, he's just different than I am. So religion was always important. You know, he's the one who wrote the five love languages business. Oh, okay. Okay. And he, my, my cousin, Derek, his son and I were off to do seminary at the same time. And, um, and he blessed us both. He knew I was a Unitarian, but he, he said nice prayers for us. And it was really sweet. So, I've had exposure to people who have different ideas, but a graciousness of heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's important. But college did it. I mean, my roommate was gay. <laughs> I was reading like James Joyce and Garcia Marquez, and I was like, holy shit. You know, like, the you're world not supposed to admit place. that college changes you. <laughs> well, yeah, it did. It was great. Those communist <laughs> thought leaders and stuff trying to, to convert you out of your. I was yes. in Disneyland, man. It was great. <laughs> was, I was thinking great. And all my friends, a lot of my friends were gay. And like one was like another friend. He wasn't gay, but he his whole goal the first year of college, and we were in the mountains of North Carolina, his whole goal was to go the whole year without wearing shoes. So it was just it was just a wacky mm-hmm. It was a wacky goal. That's, a, that's an awesome goal because I hate shoes, but you know. I know. That's a Nick goal right there. Yeah, definitely. I know. People, you got to love the crazy ones. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know. You know, um, I, 
always had a big heart for people who are different. Um, I was bullied, you know, I think I was bullied as a dork and my last name and stuff. So I probably had a little bit of sensitivity. But I also had parents who, you know, while they were in a traditional church, they didn't buy into all the, the silliness. And that, the well, that's always the, good, too. The, there, there's a lot of anger uh, in that community as well. There, oh, my God. So much fear. So much fear. Mm-hmm. No, you're the one who's afraid. You are. Yeah. We're not afraid. It's <laughs> right. you. Exactly. Yeah. That gets tough. A lot of projection going on there. Yeah. Oh my goodness. But if you if you looked at my wall where I write, um, Dorothy Day, who is a Catholic, and um, Carl McCollman, who is a Catholic, and Saint Teresa of Avila, um, are all here on my wall overlooking me. Um, Howard Thurman, I've mentioned Thomas Merton, they're all here. My little cloud of witnesses. So I really try to. To, to draw on a lot of different voices. Yeah. James Baldwin, who left the church entirely, but but there was still the church inside of him, and he's expressing this kind of beloved community and this kind of anger and rage and hope and love um, that is about as churchy as it could be. In fact, I took a class on James Baldwin in seminary from an African-American professor. So... Um, you know, the idea of, of atheism not being able to teach us something is, is just mm-hmm. well, famously, out the window. Famously, Bernie went to Liberty University early on in his 2016 campaign and spoke. Oh, right. To, yeah, and spoke to. I thought you meant when he was in college. I was like, are you oh, kidding yeah. me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a long time ago. Uh, but yeah, he went in front of, you know, Falwell Jr.'s flock, essentially, and, and told him, like, you know what? I may not be a Christian in name, but uh, that's my terrible Bernie accent. But uh, <laughs> uh, but he's like, we share so many of the same values, and it's um, it's been become perverse to me, unfortunately, that um, that in order to experience true what Christian values, and and they're not even specific to what Christ said or anything like that. You see mm-hmm. that kind of universally through Eastern religions, even, and through secular teachings, you can come to these conclusions on your own. Golden rule. Yeah. Without, without uh, a Bible, but then to have to ally yourself with secular interests uh, or secular groups to mm-hmm. have that Jesus experience. Emily, what, what, what else did you see in your, <laughs> in your relationships? And then even oh, here in the Springs. So much, so much. Um, really and truly, it comes down to, for me, and, and even this, is, this has really been established in the research, um, 30 years ago, religion in Colorado, in Colorado Springs, in America itself, was very much more, my religion says I can't, but you go do you. You go do whatever it is you want to do. Um, I found a survey from 89 that would have been done in 88, where 54% of the people surveyed did not agree with abortion. But mm-hmm. 74% of that same group of people were like, it's absolutely somebody's choice. You know, I'm not gonna, but you go, 
you go do you and watching this, watching this shift from my religion says I can't to my religion says you can't. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 and the that's, dominionism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, that's I've run across that in so many places in this, doing this research of again, 30 years ago, um, 40 years ago, the, the Christian movement was so different, mm. but also I was telling Nick earlier, as I was going through this, if you want to know how we got to where we are, yeah, this, this was the roadmap. This showed you exactly how we got to where we, to where we are right now. Um, what? Listening to these religious leaders say, you know, we're not trying to change the country. We just want to make things safe for our Christian families. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and having include you like all the better. Yeah, right. Having seminars on how to approach and infiltrate politics. Um, and, you know, from, from school board meetings all the way up and literally, literally holding seminars on how to, how to affect Christian change in every single facet of our lives mm-hmm. and doing it in such, in such a way that they said, you know, we're not doing this. Okay. Well then they're not doing this until all of a sudden, Oh, but yes, you are. <laughs> Roger, <laughs> this are is you exactly familiar, what you've been doing. Uh, are you familiar with the recent, um, the conservative con um, there was a, a, a get together at like a, convention uh where they had bobert and lamborn were there and it's like we're going to conquer the seven mountains uh Um, for for christianity i don't know if you're familiar with that at all somebody um somebody has tried to school me about it you know it's like um somebody i can't remember who it was but somebody was like watch out for those seven mountains and i'm like all right i'll watch out for them um i don't want to be anything yeah but um i don't want to be any part of that but um it's it's like this Christian nationalism on steroids kind of thing, and yeah, you know that's I, this is what I this is what I worry about is that um, once you start going down that Christian nationalism route, and I think it was um, Representative Lauren Breedert or something. Bobert. I don't know what her name is. Bobert. She said. Um, uh, religion should be running government. You know, it's like Christianity should be running government. Well, what, what, you know, like it just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, and the Catholic bishops just, you know, I gave a statement to the, I think the house judiciary committee or somebody the other day, um, at the invitation of the interfaith Alliance on, uh, in support of reproductive health equity act. Yes. And the Catholic bishops just came out like two weeks ago and said, we're going to try to overturn all these protections in Colorado. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, you know, all right, you got all that power. You've got all those people. But I can assure you that we're going to fight back. And I can assure 100%. you your, your misogyny and your hatred and your fear are not going to win. Mm-hmm. Love is going to win. Love is going to win. So, Love is going to win. So, and um, it has to. It has to. And I'll just say these two things. Mm-hmm. So I'm willing to fight over here on policy issues and um, and all this against Christian nationalism and you know 
the seven mountains, which sounds so Lord of the Rings, you know, it's like, (laughs) I just looked it up. It's insane. They honestly believe that, that by following, uh, by fulfilling the seven mountain mandate that they will bring about end times. And it's just stupid. You know, it's like, shut the fuck up. (laughs) Thank Um, you. You know, it's just stupid. When I was a kid, here's what scared me to death was, um, and then I want to make two points, Nick, because I got the preacher in me has to, to speak. But, um, I remember, but, I remember um, when I was a kid, there were, I remember Sunday mornings. It's like, I've only got you for 45 minutes. We're getting this done. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> so, um, what, what I would say when I was a kid, the bad part of my church was that they would, they would show us these films where like, um, the end time would happen. The, the apocalypse or, you know, all that end the time stuff would happen. The rapture, yes, yeah, that's what yes. it was. My favorite bumper sticker, by the way, is um, "Can I have your car after the rapture?" Um, <laughs> and so there'd be these planes, you know, and like the pilot was going to get sucked up into the air by uh-huh. this like very militant Jesus in the twinkling of an eye. Yeah, in the twinkling yes. of an eye, and the plane crashes. Um, and I just wrote a poem about that, and. Um, so that was my scary thing. Like that was really my scary thing. And it doesn't it doesn't reflect the Jesus that I know at all. It doesn't reflect the Christianity I know. It is power hungry, it is fear based, it is control. And um and that libertarian approach to like what you were talking about earlier, Emily, mm-hmm. um, has been replaced with just this 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 drive for power and it's going to bring down the evangelicals everybody comes down eventually they they tried their hand at power and they suck at it basically they're they're going to it's just going to be a little blip but um it's going to be painful while it is oh yeah um i will say this and I've i've got to make a couple of points one is that um while I'm while I'm willing to work on this policy stuff and I really want to stand up for progressivism, I also really want to hold out hope for bridges around difference and otherness and um, and really try to to make as wide a circle as possible. Um, yep. And so the guy who um, Brian Stevenson, who founded Equal Justice and in, in, Initiative, Um, an anti-death penalty group, he says the most important word in the world is proximity. Um, If you are close to someone who is like at Focus or at New Life or at um, First Pres, or if you're on that side and you're close to somebody at All Souls Unitarian, um, we at least have an opportunity um, to find the common ground that we can find. Mm-hmm. No, that's what Bernie. That's what Bernie did at Liberty, right? Let's right. try to focus on common ground. Number two, um, Emmanuel Levinas talks about the only thing that can convert us is the face, the face of the other, and it, what yeah. it converts us is what it converts us to. Levinas was a Jewish scholar in France, whose most of his family perished in the in the Holocaust. But um, what what the face of the other um, converts us to is the idea that you you can't kill anybody, you cannot kill anybody, and from that place you can try to build peace um, with others. Yeah. And then the the last thing I'll say 
is that at All Souls Unitarian, where I'm serving as a transitional minister downtown, um, the other day, somebody backed out on me who was going to do a guest speaking gig, and I had to rally and quickly <laughs> build a build a new guest speaker. And so I yeah. reached out to my friend Jeff Schools, who's a professor at UCCS, and he went to Princeton Seminary and became an atheist and he went to Iliff School of Theology and University of Denver and he teaches religious studies at UCCS. I asked him yeah. to come and then I asked my friend Yemi um, Mobilade who is running for mayor right now but we didn't mention that. Um, no, but yeah, he's keep an that out of there, Roger. What? Keep that out of there. I know, right? He's an immigrant. He ran the Economic Development Office. He's been at First mm-hmm. Pres. He's a traditional Christian. And um, I wanted the three of us to share the pulpit. And we did. And we did it in a way that was respectful and kind and loving and proximity. Mm-hmm. And I think that's huge. I think we've got to model that. Now, I'm not going to roll over and, you know, kiss the ring of those seven mountain types. I'm going to stand against them, but I'm also yep. going to hold up a model of um, finding common ground and proximity to the extent that I can. What was your reaction yeah, it's always... after like the whole Roe v. Wade thing? And then Emily, what did you have? Oh, I was pissed. <laughs> I was pissed. <laughs> Emily, what were you going to say? As I trumped over. Oh, I was just going <laughs> to say it's, it's, um, I know, so rude. I know. Nick. Gosh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So basically, (laughs) in the in the in the vein of the the common ground and the commonality, um, I've noticed my my neighbor that just moved out from downstairs, she and I, you know, built a little bit of a friendship. um, And there were things that we absolutely could not talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, She would bring something up and I would just kind of let it, you know, we're not going to we're not going to go there. Uh, I mean, we weren't like eat dinner at each other's house friends, but, you know, Mm -hmm. we were at least friendly at each other. Right. Um, But trying to find that common ground is becoming so difficult. Yes. Um, Mostly because, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to, it is hard to relate to someone whose entire personality and being exists to destroy the very things that I find, you know, are important that, and, and so the, the common ground is become is becoming this tiny little sliver of space and it, it makes it difficult because I know that the only way that things are going to get better Mm -hmm. is for us to start finding that, um, but while the things are bad, it almost does not exist on many, many, many levels. Roger, do so you, it's. Do you feel like we're actually like turning a corner? I mean, it's, politically we can feel that, but as someone who's in the faith in that, do you feel like people are starting to slowly turn and accept things that aren't this dominionist um, belief uh, <laughs> here in town? I don't know. I mean. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's going on at Woodman Valley. I don't know what's going on at New Life uptown, you know, the the North Campus. You know, I don't know what what these folks are doing. I do know the Republican Party looks like 
it's gone a little bit off the cliff. Um, and places like Texas, <laughs> yeah, just a little places bit. like Texas and Colorado, and um, mm-hmm. it looks like they've really gone a little crazy. Um, and it's going to be yeah. hard. But th- there are ways to heal the heart of democracy, and one of them, one of them, is that um, sense that we're all in it together. And um, until we can get there, we're fucked. You know, we are fucked. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. But um, one, if we can get back to an idea of that we're all in this together, I think Trumpism is going to be just a little blip. Um, I think hopefully Boris Johnson is going to be a little blip. Um, but I'm an optimist. I mean, I'm an optimist. I'm a, <laughs> I am naive as they come. Um, yeah. And I'm right what there with you. you know, but what I would say is, so my tradition, Unitarian Universalism, you know, pretty privileged people, um, liberals with a lot of work to do around racial justice and mm-hmm. white supremacy culture and blah, 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 right? A lot of work yep. to do. But um, I will say that we have been very comfortable because we've been on the on the side of like enlightenment values for 200 yeah. years. Right. And yeah. so, and so now it's like those enlightenment values are at risk. When Bonhoeffer went to jail because he tried to assassinate Hitler, when he had time to think about it, he basically came up with the idea that the church was useless it was pointless in the face of this kind of um, mm-hmm. extreme risk and danger. Yes. And um, and I think Bonhoeffer still has something to teach the church universal and, um, and Unitarian Universalism and Judaism um, to, to really risk being in the public square, um, standing up for enlightenment values, standing up for for uh, women's rights and and minority rights and and GLBTQ and queer rights, all of these things, and um, and you know the question: Are we of any use? Is so timely, and that's what he always asked. And I want I want a Unitarian Universalism that is of use. Um, I don't see it turning around right now. I see yeah. the evangelicals having their little wet dream of of um of getting power and and they they're using it poorly and it's uh, it's ugly roe v wade was just the start the prayer guy on the 50 yard line give me a break man like like i don't want well exactly i I don't want school teachers teaching my kids how to pray like no thank you i'm I am I am so glad every single day right now that I no longer have children in school. <laughs> you know, yes. that my my youngest is is done now and so the fact that I don't have to specifically personally you know go and have a conniption fit at a school board meeting is great. I will happily go to have a conniption fit for somebody else's kid. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. You know, you can, Nick will be the first one to tell you, I have no problem throwing a hissy fit for anybody. Right. It's my favorite thing. Um, yep. Because and, it feels, it feels good. Right. 
Well, it's it's more than that because I know that that I come from a place of privilege. Right. Yeah. And there are so many people who need a voice who don't have a voice. Right. That if I can use mine for that, then I've done I've done the thing I'm supposed to do with that privilege. Right. And you bring up um, kind of a difference there in like even when you're in a church, like going to someone's church who's even slightly different, like yes. going to a church that's like Oh, they wear jeans here. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh yeah, better. Uh, yeah. Women wearing dresses above the knee. Kind of weird. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that that kind of thing. And Dude, that, honestly, some of the most. I was Mormon. Places. I fully understand that. Oh, you're LDS? <laughs> I was. Yeah, that's another story altogether. That's a loving community and, and a completely odd theology. Yes, the an interesting thing that churches do, um, in my experience, and that is that they are so incredibly self-segregating. And, yes. And so when you have, especially in the South, where there are you know, so many evangelicals and stuff, it's kind of a community that created itself because it's like, it is drawing up these very steep hills and tall walls to say this is what faith looks like it also just happens to look like a bunch of white people Uh, it just happens to look like people who or be people who aren't gay or transgender and then using that as a weapon a cudgel against other people as well oh yeah absolutely you know where i I stand on most of that i wanted to share with you the kind of prayer that i i am um I am drawn to, um, I'm drawn to lots of different kinds of prayers, but I wanted to just share with one with you. Um, is that okay? That's fine. This, yeah, this is from your, your best-selling yep. book, by the way. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Oprah, call me, baby. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. Seeds of devotion. And it's just stories. So what I'm trying to do is help people know that stuff happens. Difficult things, joyous things, stuff happens. And to have a kind of mindful or prayerful orientation towards them. And then to ask the right questions to um, provide some meaning in the face of them. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, this is after a chapter on Bonhoeffer and his best friend in New York City, Albert Fisher, who was an African-American guy. So this is the kind of prayer that I wanted to just share with you. Um, that helps me at least. Waymaker when there seems to be no way. Way shower, friend of the poor and oppressed. Grant us peace. Deliver us from our prejudices and our biases. Well, at least help us out when we try to take the next step towards anti-racism. It's our journey to take. You walk alongside. Help us to dream the beloved community, to visualize it, and imagine it. Help us to do our little part to help bring it forth on earth as it is in heaven. Help us to encounter those who are different and see your face, your love, your image. May it be so. Right? That's the kind of prayer that I pray to try to keep me grounded, knowing that, like, I'm as screwed up as anybody else. I'm just trying to walk this path. (laughs) Yeah. I think we, I don't, I think there is, um, there's a God armor involved. It's like, as soon as you fall into a particular group that believes you have the God armor, you have the God armor. And <laughs> so therefore you can use your God armor and, and, 
And, uh, you know, Matthew twenty six fifty two is, you know, like, hey, those who live by the sword die by the sword. So put that thing away. You know, this, this right? it's about put compassion. It yeah, put it down. Uh, you know, put and, it that, down. and that rhymes again with, you know, like the whole the whole gun rights thing, the open carry. They have a, a Jesus piece around their neck or and then a, a, a pistol on in a holster on their waist. It's like, what message are you sending? And they don't realize the yeah. irony and the contradiction of that. Emily, were there, were, were there other parts specifically about Colorado Springs that you found in your research um, that really stuck out to you? Um, the big thing with Colorado Springs is simply the understanding that the, you know, we can we can talk about Amendment 2 and, and how the evangelicals helped create that. Mm. Um, we can talk about, you know, the the... English as the only language to be spoken and how the evangelicals helped with that. Yeah. Um, you know, I can go on. I, I've been here a long time. <laughs> I can go on about how, how religion and specifically evangelical Christianity has shaped Colorado Springs and the place where we are right now. Right. And with, with the understanding that that's, that's the, one of the biggest things that we're battling against to bring Colorado Springs kicking and screaming into the now is we are fighting this, this longstanding tradition, first and foremost of conservatism that was just compounded by the, the influx of the evangelical Christian churches in the nineties. And, and, you know, that Colorado Springs has always been red Yes, but now we're red. Well, we now all... right now we're we're red with you know American blonde buff Jesus with a gun on his hip. Scandinavian you know, that's, that's, Christ, yeah, exactly. That's that's where we are, oh, it's, and it's, you know he's it's, he's standing it's, up for the ideals of okay. Nick. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen Emily? Have you seen the little? Have you seen the little Facebook? Uh, poster thing that is um santa and jesus um, yes. sitting next to each other and santa's like yep. i hate it when something i created became this big commercial enterprise and jesus uh -huh. is like you know raised eyebrow like yeah, yeah i hear you <laughs> yeah i hear you well exactly and that's and that's that's <laughs> we've gotten okay. people as as religion have gotten so far away from the fact that you know jesus was a brown guy who had no money um, and, and yes, I understand that the, the books of the Bible are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but Jesus wasn't hanging out with, you know, Josh and Cody and Chad, right. that's, that's, <laughs> that's not, that's not who they were. Right. Um, and the bottom line of the fact that a book that has been translated and has been um interpreted so many different times in so many different ways and to to specific set up to to observe specific goals um you know you need to you need to take these things with a little bit of a grain of salt and understand that as as you were saying before Roger the we need to find the common ground and we need to understand that 
Yeah. Religion, we are not a theocratic nation. Yeah. We are supposed to be a democratic nation. And I have no problem with you having your religion. I will fight for your right to be, worship whatever you want. Right. As long as you keep it away from the public. From here. Yeah. (laughs) Right on. Yeah. And, you know, my wife, my wife, um, after Roe, the Roe decision, um, my wife wrote a blistering letter to the editor that was published. Um, Mm -hmm. We we held um, we held an organizing uh, meeting at All Souls. Um, I want to just I've got to I've got to run here in a minute, but I want to just lift up. You know how Mr. Rogers was always like, find the helpers. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> like, like it's a shit show right now, right? It's, Everybody knows that it's yes. nasty. But I want to f- I want to lift up some helpers right now in town. And um <clears throat> I want to start with Mike Martin. Um he goes to Bethel Mennonite and he is a quiet, strong, beautiful person, a good friend, and he founded raw tools raw is war backwards raw is war backwards and he converts guns into garden tools yep his his wife hannah martin who is also at bethel mennonite is um super involved with the sanctuary coalition helping folks without documentation um jen jen williamson is at Grace and St. Stephen's. She's she's a Methodist minister. Neighbors um, for Education. Neighbors for Education. Yeah. yeah. Um, and um, Marta Fioriti, my beloved, is at Black Forest Community Church. When COVID hit, and this is in the Black Forest, that's not exactly where the revolution's going to begin, right? No. But, Depending um, on how you ask. Yeah, right. <laughs> but um, when COVID hit... Um, they created an apartment um, for undocumented folks who were going to be expelled from their um, residences. And now they've got two apartments on the campus there. Um, All Souls has hosted both school board meetings and row meetings. First Congregational has been in the forefront of gay and lesbian and other kinds of rights. Um, the Sanctuary Church is trying to feed the homeless and feed <coughs> feed the marginalized. Um, Earth Church in Manitou is doing its little pagan mm-hmm. stuff. And then my friend Tracy Hiltz, um, person of color, working in an evangelical setting and really trying to work on racial reconciliation and racial justice issues. So yeah, that's yeah. just some helpers that I wanted to lift to up. Yeah, because I think it's important for your readers to know that we are not going to give in to cynicism. We are not going to give in to despair. We are going to keep hoping and keep loving until um, until the way of peace prevails. Yes. Roger. That's my last word. Reverend Roger Potts, (laughs) thank you so much for stepping on and chatting with us today. Yes, uh, thank you, Roger. Since religion is such a huge deal here in Colorado Springs. Yes, it is. I mean, for Christ's sake, (laughs) I hope that that things turn around. Thank you, Roger. (laughs) Bye, guys. Well, that was a really great conversation that we interviewed there that we just had with uh with Roger. That was uh 
It was, it was it's, that was fantastic. It was great. It was such a relief to to know that there are people like Roger and and and, and his uh, wife partner uh, Marta Fiedi, um working in the community and expressing compassion and empathy for people. It's always interesting to to see and meet people who are religious, who are not horrible. Yeah. If that makes sense, that because does I don't mean that sense. everyone who's religious is is awful, um, but who doesn't hate other people because of their religion, right? And right. Who, you know the ones who don't who don't hide behind their Bible as well. I hate you because this this book says on this one page four words that say I'm supposed to hate you. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like we were talking about um, offline not that long ago is the idea that you can embrace other people for for being different and not use it as a as a weapon against. Yes, uh, 100 uh, the, percent. The, like, uh, like I said, I, I'm an agnostic atheist, but the uh, idea of not using the fact that I'm not a theist anymore as as a weapon against those who are religious and then say, like Richard Dawkins and um, mm-hmm. and and Christopher Hutchins when he was around, they were very much the well because you're religious, you, your religion is a disease, and therefore I have to be anti everything that you stand for, and that's the exact yep. same. Uh, mindset of evangelicals with their seven mountains and all that stuff it's it just it's the mirror thing. it's the exact same thing just in reverse and that's the we could do five podcasts about the craziness that is that yeah yeah absolutely. um and just a just a little a little hint a little tip trick whatever for um some people out there that that may be listening to us and and you know, are that are going to text or email us and be like, oh my gosh, you're going to hell because blah, blah, blah. <laughs> As an atheist, I don't believe in God, which also means that I don't believe in Satan either. Uh-huh. So your, your threat of, I'm going to go burn in this hot place, honey, I don't believe in that as much as, as I don't believe in your golden houses in heaven. So it's an empty threat. I mean, if you threaten me with eternity in Walmart, then we might have a problem. <laughs> That's what Then we might have a problem. Well, well no. speaking of, of burning in an eternity, <laughs> Emily, do you want to get us out of here? <laughs> Absolutely burning in eternity. Badly Needed and Long Overdue is a podcast about shaking things up in a conservative city. This show was hosted by Nick Raven. And Emily Lewis, which is me. You can watch the video version of this video, of this show, <laughs> on YouTube and listen to us in podcast form wherever you find podcasts. The show's music has been brought to you by the Knockblockers, local ska band. Highly recommend you go find them. You can reach us on a whole bunch of different social media platforms too, like Instagram at Badly Needed Podcast, on Twitter, at Badly Needed COS on Facebook at Badly Needed and Long Overdue Podcast and on TikTok. Yes, we TikTok at Badly Needed Podcast. We're Badly Needed and Long Overdue and from the depths of hell where we are glazed over (laughs) in warm lava, we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye!